All right. Um, thank you to Lydia for, um, for all the Facebook stuff that she did this week. Uh, kind of uh, do some crazy stuff for uh, y'all to see uh, with our people, but also for, you know, be able to be able to share and invite people and, and go as, as I told one of our guests today that we're just not overly conventional. Um, and so that's <laughs> an understatement, isn't it? Um, and so um, uh, Paul's video like got viewed like almost 800 times. Um, so I guess people like to hear Paul P, I guess. Um, so um, those of you that know what I'm talking about, that's yeah. Um, Starting a brand new series, I, I, I got, a, got, a, got a question, just answer this to yourself, really it's just two, um, uh, two options. Um, in your life, uh, do you want to flounder or do you want to flourish? Do you want to flounder or flourish? Probably you're like, what kind of question is that? I mean, like, it's obvious, I, I, I want to flourish. Well, okay, so let's ask this a different way. Today, as you are sitting there, would you characterize your life as floundering or would you characterize your life as flourishing? So we're starting this brand new series, but really we're starting a brand new teaching year. And our, our, our teaching year, this entire year, is about freedom in life and how to find freedom. And, and, and when you get to find freedom, you get to, you get to flourish. But maybe for some of you, if you've struggled with this whole church thing, you just happen to be here because we got breakfast or somebody invited you or we got 1984 and you figured like kind of your obligation to come if we're going to pay for video games and you know, you're just kind of here. Uh, maybe you hear freedom in church and those really don't, to you, go together. Because you're like, I got to get up on Sunday morning and come to this thing and then you got just a bunch of rules and you tell me what to do and you tell me what to do with my money and et cetera. And that doesn't sound like freedom to me. That's fair enough. I mean, I get it. I get it. And it doesn't sound like freedom. And then for some of you, those of you that, that you, you do understand the church thing and you're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you would say, man, I don't know if my life is characterized as having freedom and, and, and being something, a life that is flourishing. For both of you, I would say this. Jesus promised abundant life. Jesus promised eternal life. And oftentimes in church, we think eternal as in, as in, as in the length of time, which is a true statement. However, eternal is also quantitative. We'd actually think of eternal today more as infinity life. We'd have life to infinity and beyond. Thank you for, yeah, appeasing me. And it wasn't as good as the beat joke. So, uh, so how do we find this freedom in this, in this life? Jesus, Jesus, the last hours of his life spent time with his disciples teaching them about how to find this freedom in life. This series is the foundation to the entire year. And this sermon is the foundation to this foundational series. See, Jesus gave, Jesus gave his disciples a, a one-sentence job description. 
I don't know if you've ever had a job description in your job, and maybe, maybe I'm guessing it's more than one sentence. At a time when I was kind of looking for, for ministry jobs and, and pastor jobs, you see the ministry description and the role description, the job description for the pastor of, the, of this church, and it's like three pages long, nine-point font, you know, and it's like nobody ever on the face of this earth could ever fulfill this job description, including Jesus, you know? But Jesus gave his disciples a one bullet point job description. In fact, that sentence was three, three words long. The job description of a Christian. And those of you that maybe struggle with this whole co- church concept and Christian concept, all Jesus wants you to know is three words. He's not even concerned about you understanding church or understanding God. All he wants you to know is three simple words. We're going to be in John chapter 15. Like I said, you can download our app and look under resources and, and, and find, find that, or you can go open up the Bible app and find the Bible app. I hi- highly encourage you to do that as well. We do throw the ver- uh, scripture verses up on the screen uh, uh, too so that you can follow along uh, easily. Uh, John chapter 15, this is the last hours of Jesus' life. He's walking along with the disciples, uh, uh, and actually he knows that he's walking along uh, in order to be arrested, in order to go through a mock trial that will end in his death. He knows this. And so because this, this, these are the last moments, these are the last words Jesus will ever say to his disciples before his death, I mean, these are kind of the most important words, right? Right? Going to save the best for last? And we get to take a step back 2,000 years and eavesdrop in on this conversation that he had with his disciples. I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He, he taps into a word picture here of, of, of a grapevine, which grapevine in Israel, I mean, th- this was a very common day thing for all of them. They understood, even if they were not grapeviners, gardeners, they, they understood the concept of grapevining. We actually have a real life vine dresser here today. Josh, his family owns a vineyard. So, um, so yeah, he'll, he connects with this. So he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it, is, if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And so even if we don't understand uh, grapevines, we maybe have had uh, a plant that needed pruning. And was uh, just just ongoing, like uh, a year ago, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day of 2014. Uh, I, I packed the boys, especially the three older boys, up. We went to Walmart to get Nicole a uh, a, a Valentine's uh, Day gift, uh, heavy spender uh, that I am for Valentine's Day, and um, uh, walked in, walked in, and and voila, right there before he even got through the metal detectors of the door, were were rose bushes, like. <laughs> Any schmuck can get, you know, roses that'll die out. Like, I'm going to get the gift that keeps on giving, right? A rose bush. It's going to keep going. It's going to let. And so it had roses on it and everything. And so I took it home and, and like, ah, look, look here. And, and, and the roses, of course, you know, they, those died out and pruned those back. But the rest of 2014, the sucker, the sucker lived. It was green. 
but it didn't produce any more roses. What's going on? Am I, you know, wasting my time? Let's like watering the thing and, and, and giving it plant food and everything. I'm not talking to it and singing to it. That's weird. But uh, uh, you know, doing my thing with it and and, 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 and and no roses. And right after right after the turn of this year, just in time really for Valentine's Day this year, it started budding roses again. And it's better roses ever since. And right now the sucker's got 13 roses on it. Maybe you've had a plant like this that you have to prune. You kind of, kind of, even though you don't know grapevines, you kind of, kind of understand a little bit about plants. Maybe you have a green thumb. Maybe some of you have a black thumb because you hit it yesterday or something. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you just don't know anything about this. You're like, I'm just totally lost. But Jesus sets up this 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 metaphor with three different characters, three different roles. The first is the vine dresser, the gardener. This guy represents God, God the Father. And his role is this. His role is this, produce fruit. He sees the entire picture. He sees the whole picture of the vine and what needs to be done. And he he makes sure the soil is ready. And he, he prepares everything so that this vine will produce fruit. But he also makes decisions that the vine does not understand. And maybe even the vine doesn't like so much. The second role in this word play is the vine. The vine is the, is the core stem uh, to, the, uh, to, to, to everything. That's the branches picture, sorry. Uh, 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 there's, there's another vine picture. The, the vine goes down into the ground, to the roots. And the vine takes the nutrients from the ground, still branches, from the ground up to the branches, but it also provides strength. And without the vine, the branches are nothing. Branches are nothing. They can't produce fruit. They can't even be there. And then we've got the branches. And the, the vine, the vine represents Jesus. And we've got the branches that represent us. And our role isn't to produce fruit. That's actually the, 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 the vine keeper's role. Our role is simply one thing. One sentence. Three words. Now, four, how I say it here, but remain in the vine. Remain in the vine. That's the role of the branch. If the branch does not remain on the vine, it cannot produce fruit. But if the branch remains on the vine, producing fruit is as natural as remaining on the vine. Josh, wouldn't it be weird if you went out to your vineyards and all of a sudden you just heard a bunch of grunting, like little bitty voices, grunting voices? Eee! Eee! And you're like, what's going on? And the vine's like, I'm trying to produce fruit. I'm grunting to produce fruit. That'd be weird, right? That, that you'd, be, you'd, you'd be concerned. It'd be, yeah. Yeah, drugs are bad, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It'd be odd. The branch, the branch doesn't have to grunt to produce fruit. It doesn't have to work to produce fruit. Producing fruit is as natural as remaining on the vine. 
But we see two different types of people in this story. Jesus talks about those who don't produce fruit. And what is actually happening as he is, as he is explaining and teaching them and, and telling them this, this, this word story, this word picture story, this is actually, if they were paying attention, if the disciples were paying attention, this is actually occurring in real life before their very eyes. See, there were 12 disciples that Jesus specifically handpicked at the beginning of his ministry and said, he told them, follow me. I am going to teach you everything you need to know about the kingdom and about doing ministry and the, doing the work of the kingdom. And one of them was Judas. Judas looked like he was on the vine. He looked like he was receiving life. But he wasn't. He was with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He was better than the rest of us. He actually physically laid eyes on Jesus and walked with the literal in flesh Jesus. But he didn't remain on the vine. See, the idea of Jesus, uh, what Jesus is saying of not producing fruit is the idea that you look good, but you're dead. These, the, the, these branches are going to be cut off. Maybe you're like, man, that seems a little bit harsh. But even those of you that would consider yourselves kind of a non-fan of church, maybe this is why you are a non-fan of church. It's because you look at church and you, all you see is people that look good, but there's no life to them. They're dead. And you know from the inside that their soul is black, but they act like everything is good. And you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And Jesus says these people one day at some point in time will be cut off. And Judas, just moments before, left Jesus and the other disciples to go betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But then there are these branches that do produce fruit. And you would kind of expect that the branches that produce fruit, like he, he, that Jesus would say, what's going to happen with these branches that do produce fruit? Maybe you would expect a, a, an attaboy, or as Paul said last week, a participation medal for being a branch that produces fruit. Yay, branch. What does he say about these branches? Get pruned. I get cut. I get cut back. Why? To produce more fruit. And if the disciples were paying attention, they would, under, they would have understood that Jesus is talking about them. They were getting ready to go through a pruning season within hours and within minutes of Jesus explaining this to them. That they were getting ready to all 11 of them. Jesus, when he was going to be arrested, gone through a mock trial, and, and, and crucified a brutal murder on a cross, they were going to run and one of them was going to deny. But Jesus told them, no, 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 just hold on. You're clean. You're good. I'm with you. But you are going through a season of pruning. We hate seasons as, as Americans especially. Spring, summer, fall, and winter, the literal seasons are, are, are really there for, for God to teach us something about seasons of life. See, as Americans, we want everything up and to the right, baby. 
blowing and going and always producing fruit and everything's good and everything's results and everything's... But what happens in winter? What happens when we go into a fall and winter and, 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 and we get pruned back? Many of you know, but if you're new to, new, new to us uh, here at Crosspoint, uh, my wife and I, Nicole, we, we went up to Syracuse, New York to, to try and plant a church that failed. And coming out of that experience, this passage, this passage was one of the two passages that kept me going. Because we were in a winter. We were in a deep freeze. And you know what? We followed Jesus right into it. He led us there. And as Americans, we have no box for that. If we're in a winter, there's something wrong with you. You said, no. You can follow me right into a winter. Right into a time of pruning. To cut back what is there so that more can come later. And right now, personally, we kind of feel like maybe things have thawed and we're heading into a springtime. But this also happens for churches. Cyclical nature. I feel like we've just gone through a winter where God's cut, it, cut us back financially. Pruned us back. Why? To produce more fruit. To produce more fruit. And I feel like right now, I mean, we're just maybe starting to see the thaw as a church. You floundering right now? You feel like you're in a winter? There's nothing wrong with you. It's a normal cycle of life. But as we were going through these 18 months and struggling, I came across this. It dawned on me. You know what? To the plant, getting cut off and being pruned feels exactly the same thing, doesn't it? It feels exactly the same. So how do you know if you're getting cut off or you're being pruned? The job description. Those that are being pruned, they remain on the vine. They remain in Jesus. See, part of the pruning, part of the winter is, where's your hope? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? And what I'm pruning back, ministry, finances, is your hope there? Or is your hope in Christ? Because if our hope is in Christ, even in the winter, we will remain in Christ. If you are a Christ follower, the one thing that, you, that He calls you to do and the one thing only He calls you to do is remain in Me. And His promise is, I will remain in you. 
If you consider yourself kind of a, a non-fan, not sure about this church thing, not sure about this God thing, not sure about this Jesus thing, maybe you're like, wait a minute, if I connect the dots, this is kind of getting weird here. You just said that he's getting ready to die. And now Jesus is telling, him, telling his boys, remain in me. Isn't remaining in a dead man a little bit creepy? What's going on here? See, the end of the story is this. Spoiler alert. He resurrects from the dead. Jesus resurrects from the dead. See, this statement, remain in me, only works if he resurrects from the dead. You might be like, man, resurrection, I don't, ugh, that's hard. That's hard. I get it. I get it. Look, Jesus predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection. He told his guys, hey, look, you know what's coming? I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. Three days later, I'm going to resurrect from the grave. Meet me in Galilee after that. They had no box for that. It'd be like me telling you, on the way to 1984 today, I'm going to die in a car wreck. But it's okay. Wednesday, bears lunch. I'll meet you there. You'd get stuck on the death thing and not know what to do with the bears thing. Right? Same thing for the disciples. But this only works. Remain in me only makes sense if he resurrects. And you know what Jesus knows? For those of you in winter, you know what Jesus knows. He knows what it's like to be in winter. He knows what it's like to be pruned back to just one little stub. But you know what Jesus also knows? He knows what it's like to resurrect from winter and to spring. Because three days later, he resurrected out of the tomb, proving that he can defeat the only thing that we can't, death. Think about this. Jesus claimed to be God. He proved it by resurrecting. And think about the invitation he just gave everybody. Remain in me and I will remain in you. God himself. Saying, I will resurrect you from your winter. The same power that brought me from the grave is offered to you. Think about that. We all have thirsts. We all try and satisfy those thirsts with things that are very costly. Costly to our soul. Isaiah, a guy that wrote 700 years before Jesus ever lived, he talked about this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if I have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why do you spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why do you pay for food that does you no good? Why, why do we chase after food for our soul that actually kills our soul is what he's asking. Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. You, oh, I, I have a choice wine. 
to be poured out for you. And because 27 years in advance he knew they were going to be Baptists, he also said there's going to be a choice milk. Taylor, Taylor's with me. That I'm going to give you. Whatever's refreshing to you. For me, Coke and coffee. What's refreshing? That's what he wants to give to satisfy your soul. But maybe you say, I, I'm not... I didn't grow up in this church thing. I'm not sure about that. Well, a guy by the name of Paul after, that lived after Jesus lived answers that question. Romans eleven seventeen. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of people of Israel, Jews, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, now he's setting up this Jew-Gentile thing, but I believe it is also appropriate that we can interpret this religious, non-religious. You non-religious who are branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the vine, huh? From the root, God's special olive tree. He wants to graft you in. It's a wild olive branch. We love wild olive branches. Keeps us on our toes. Keeps us growing keeps the fruit being produced. Are you somebody that's never considered remaining in Jesus? I want you to consider that this morning. He doesn't want you to have it all figured out. We never will. None of us do. But He wants you to know that He is resurrected from the grave in order to free you from the bondage of sin. And all it takes is saying, I will remain in you. I don't know what that means totally, but I want to remain in you. Will you cleanse me to remain in you? He says, yes, there'll be people around that all the, uh, their goal here this morning is to help you find freedom in Christ. Maybe you're a Christian, but you are in a winter. There's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you need to deal with something. Yeah, sure, but there's nothing wrong with you. Just remain in Jesus. And use this reflection time to sing to the one who, who, who resurrected from the grave and said, remain in me. Maybe you're in a spring and summer. Things are good. Rejoice that this is the season of life that you're in. And use it to encourage people that are in the winter. And again, the people that are going to be around, it's for you to pray with. Start in your prayer work for this week. Simple. God, teach me how to remain in you. Teach me, show me how to remain in you. Let's pray. And Father, Lord, I thank, thank you that you as God has, have invited us to remain in you. Lord, I just pray that we figure out how to live that way. That you show us what that looks like. It's your name of pray. Amen.